Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. There are only two responses to God's authority, submit or rebel. God has all authority. He gives you a choice and me a choice, and we take those choices every single day as we live. And here's the choices. Submit to authority, which is ultimately comes from who? From God, all authority, and obey Him. And by that, I'm saying this. I'm living dependent on God. Imagine that you've been working towards a specific goal for some time. You're about to reach it, but then something happens in your life to derail you from that path. Eventually, you're able to pick yourself up and move on, maybe to something even better. If you're living under God's authority, those kinds of life changes can happen when you start moving out from under the umbrella of His guidance. When we try to steer our lives on a course that we feel suits us, we forget that God has a much clearer, broader perspective. Being knocked out of the driver's seat isn't pleasant, but in the passenger's seat, you can be relaxed and secure. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verse 16, for our continuing study entitled, Removing Mountains Through Prayer. And the Lord God commanded the man. Notice it doesn't say the Lord God suggested to Adam, here's something you might want to think about. It was a command. How can God command? Because all authority comes from God. People today say, well, you really sure? Yes, I'm sure. Here's the first expression, the words of God, the Bible, which is God's mind to us, to Adam. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Verse 16 is absolute truth. And here were the choices Adam and Eve could make. Submit to the authority of God, expressed how? By his word, by his commands, or rebel against it. Well, let's see what choice they made. Look in the next chapter, Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent, who is Satan, who has been kicked out of heaven, he's already rebelled against God, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say? One of your subpoints under two should be this. Satan always attacks the authority of the Word of God. Satan always attacks the authority of the Word of God. Notice he says, Satan says to Eve, did God really say? In other words, no, you didn't hear him correctly. Now what happens in your life, it's still happening today, we'll show you that shortly. What happens today is this, once you begin to doubt God's Word, 
you're on dangerous ground. You see, since God's the authority, He's the one that set up His Word. I have no role in doubting His Word. Is the Word being doubted even in churches today? Everywhere. Early on in his ministry, Billy Graham tells in his book, his autobiography, Just As I Am, a great story. And it goes basically like this. As he was studying God's Word, there were parts he couldn't explain. He knew many parts were true, but he couldn't explain some parts. And he went into the forest one day, and he got on his knees with the Bible, and he said, God, I'm supposed to be your messenger. There's parts I know definitely are true. There's other parts I know they're true, but I don't understand them. What can I do about it? And here's what he came away with. He said to God, I know that we see through a glass darkly. By the way, we still do today. There's parts of it I can't explain to you. Nobody can. When we get to heaven, we'll understand all of it. But we have enough to know to get to heaven and that God loves us. So here's what Billy Graham said. God, I'm going to accept this word as 100% true from you. I will never, ever doubt it. And he's never turned back. Did God honor his ministry? Maybe a little. He honored it. Why? Because he honored his word. So Satan will cause you to doubt God's word. Next, look what happens. And the woman said to the serpent, Well, we may eat from the trees in the garden. In other words, she understood God's command. It was clear to her. But God did say, here's the command, there's the authority again, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, which is true, and you must not touch it, which is not true, or you will die. Eve added to God's word. God never said anything about touching it. You do not want to, number one, doubt God's word. You definitely don't want to add to God's word. We have people today that add to God's word. The cults, Jehovah Witness, Mormons, two great keys. They're adding to God's word. You'll see the commercials of the Mormons. Here's God's word. And beside it, a wonderful book of Mormon. You don't want the book of Mormon. That's totally man's ideas. Has nothing to do with the authority of God. It's false. And it eventually come, initially came from Satan. This you want. This is God's word. So notice here the third thing that happens. Verse 4. Here's what Satan said. Well, you will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. So not only does he attack the authority of the word of God, but Satan contradicts the truth of the word of God. He contradicts the truth. He doesn't just get you cause you to doubt it. He outright comes out and says, what God said does not apply today. You won't die. Satan lies to Eve. Satan is known as a liar throughout the Bible. He will lie to you and he will lie to me. What he's saying there is this, and is this common today? Satan says this, you know what God says is not really true. He's really saying there will be no judgment. There will be no judgment. You can go ahead and sin. Are we hearing that today? You'll hear people say this. God's a loving God. There's no judgment. Well, they don't know the Bible because God is a loving God, but he's also a just God. Look in verse 5. This brings us to point number 3. Are you with me? One, two, a few subpoints, and number 3. Number 3 is this. Satan lies to man 
You can be your own authority. Satan lies to man. You can be your own authority. Look in verse 5. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. That was true. You will be like God. That was false. And know good and evil. That was true. What Satan is basically saying is this. Eve, if, if you will do this, God has been holding back something from you. If you'll do this, you can become, listen, your own authority. You can judge what's right and wrong for yourself. You don't need this. You can become a God to yourself. Do we hear that today anywhere? It's called New Age. Another term you might hear, it's called humanism. You can become your own God. You can become Eve independent from God. You don't have to listen to God's commands. Why would you want to do that? You can live your own life. Now, Satan lied to Adam and Eve and he said this, you'll become as gods. They didn't. Here's what they became. They became separated from God. You see, sin always separates. And they became totally separated from God. Because of that, we know that Adam and Eve passed this down, this sin nature, this rebellious nature, to a few other people. Who are they? Raise your hands. Every human being came from good old Adam and Eve. It's the first family, and it came from Adam and Eve, and you and I have this today. So sin entered the world, and I have this nature this morning. My nature is this. I want to do my thing. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. I want to rebel and do my own thing. Some of you even see that as you sit. Don't tell me to sit over here. Don't tell me to do that. Don't tell me to park over here. I'll park where I want to park. Where'd that sin nature come? Just say, hi, Adam. Hi, Eve. Where'd it come from? It came from them. But you got the disease and so do I. Brings us to point number four. We got it? Point number four. There are only two responses to God's authority. There are only two responses to God's authority. Submit or rebel. God has all authority. He gives you a choice and me a choice. And we take those choices every single day as we live. And here's the choices. Submit to authority, which is ultimately comes from who? From God, all authority. And obey Him. And by that, I'm saying this. I'm living dependent on God. Or the other choice is to rebel against authority and say, I'm going to disobey. I'm going to live my life independent from God. All of life is made up of either submitting or rebelling against God and His delegated human authorities. Now, God, God to protect human beings, instituted delegated authority. He has taken His authority and He's placed it. We know this from Romans 13 and some other chapters. Here's where He's placed it. First of all, He's placed it in families. And then He's placed it in the civil things of our a country, the government. That's why the policeman can stop and say, do you stop? Because that is a re authority that comes from God. And the third place he's placed it is in the church. 
And you have to be careful within the church because, as you saw it in the Jewish times, it was being abused in the church. But that delegated authority is in those three areas today, and that's for our protection. So turn to 1 Kings this morning, 1 Kings, and we're going to look at God's word in the Old Testament. What did people do with the word? Did they submit or rebel? 1 Kings chapter 13. Now, why are we in 1 Kings? Because we're going to look at the authority of God and what people did with God's word. In the Old Testament days. Now let me give you a quick one minute overview. In the Old Testament, God formed a nation called Israel. And that nation is still intact today. Since 1948 it's come back together. And the purpose of that nation was to bring the Messiah, Jesus Christ, into the world. Because God was gracious. We were looking for a Savior. Well, nation of Israel was made up of people like you and me. They had the same choices, and they often rebelled against God. God got angry at them. When we come to 1 Kings, King Solomon, David's son, has just died. And the nation of Israel actually splits into two nations. Ten tribes in the north, called Israel. Two tribes in the south, called Judah. And they have two respective kings. It's kind of like a civil war. And into this is where our passage in 1 Kings comes. Now, the king in the north, which was King Jeroboam, King Jeroboam, when he came into power, he did some interesting things. The people began to worship, and all of a sudden, he realized that in the southern kingdom, which was Judah, was a city called, and you're familiar with it, Jerusalem. And in that city was where the great temple that Solomon built was. Now, if you were Jewish, three times a year, you'd be required to go to Jerusalem to worship. You got me? So the king in the north is thinking, hmm, if my people go to the south and they go there to worship and they say King Solomon's great temple and his palace and stuff, I'll probably never get them back. They'll move down there permanently. They don't like the northern area where I'm at. And in fact, they may come back and kill me to try to divide the nation, uh, unite the nation. So what does he do? King Jeroboam does this. He says, I'll place two places of worship in the northern kingdom. And he picks two cities, Dan and Bethel. Cities that you can see when we go to Israel, if you go with us. So in the city of Dan and Bethel, here's what he does. And you have to remember, in Israel worship in those days, it had all to do with animal sacrifice. So follow me, what happens? In Bethel, just as he did in Dan, he created this, this great altar of sacrifice. Number one, it shouldn't have been there. All the Jews were supposed to go only to Jerusalem. He didn't hear from God. He just made it up himself. So he took the authority from God and placed it to who? Himself. Mistake number one. So then he set up this false place. And then what he did, instead of this uh, little cross being there in this altar, here's what he did. He created two golden images, calves, sound familiar, from Exodus. And he literally says in the chapter before this, O Israel, here are the gods that delivered you out of bondage from Egypt. So there was tremendous idol worship now happening in God's country. Then the next thing he did was this. To have worship, you have to have priests. They were supposed to come through the line of Levi. But all the priests that saw this said, we don't want anything to do this. They headed down to Judah. So what did he do? Here's what he did. He went out and he went here. You... You, I'll take you. And would you like to be? And over you, one here. And back here, I'll take you. And raise your hand over there, I'll take you. And I'll take you. And he made priests of the average person sitting 
in the congregation. They weren't supposed to be priests. They weren't called to the ministry. He just did that. Do we see that today? Some of you don't know. We do because people go into the ministry because they think that's a place to get rich or be popular or whatever. So God was angry. Let's look at chapter 13, verse 1. We'll go through it quickly and you'll see what happens. Now God looks at this and he's mad because of the idolatry. So in verse 1 it says, By the word of the Lord, a man of God came from Judah to Bethel. So God brings a good prophet, a godly prophet from the southern part of Israel, from Judah, 1 Kings 13, and he says to him, Go to the north, to that place where they're just abusing my name and have idol worship. And he says to them, Go there. And as he goes there, it says in verse 1, As Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make an offering, so even now the king was becoming a priest, which should not have been. Here's what the good prophet says in front of the altar. He cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord. In other words, the word of the Lord had come to this prophet. O altar, altar. This is what the Lord says. A son named Josiah will be born to the house of David. On you he will sacrifice the priests of the high places who now make offerings here. And human bones will be burned on you. What is he saying? Follow me. Here's what he says. The prophet comes and he stands before this altar which is filled with idol worship. And he says, God says to you, king, there is coming another king. And he names him Josiah. And he's going to come and he's going to burn your high priests who are an abomination to God, and he's going to burn them right on this altar. In other words, desecrate this false altar. Because God was angry. Now, we don't have time this morning, but if you look in the book of 2 Kings, prophecy 100% took place. How many years later? 300 years later. You say, well, how can anybody make a prophecy about something that's going to happen 300 years later? That's because God is in total control. 300 years later, this prophecy came. By the way, when we get into the year next year in January, February, March, somewhere on that area, I'm going to start a teaching on the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. And we're going to talk about end time prophecies as we approach the end of this world. We're getting close, guys. We need to know what God prophesied. So God's word is 100% true. Now look what else happens in verse 3. The same day the man of God gave a sign. This is a sign of the Lord as declared. The altar will be split apart and ashes on it will be poured out. So to show this future prophecy will take place, because King Jeroboam wouldn't have been there 300 years later, he says, to show you that what God says is true, watch this. The altar that you're on right here is going to split apart and the ashes, this stone altar and the ashes are going to pour out. Well, look at the response of the king. you think the king was happy about this. Probably not. Look at verse 4. Now, when King Jeroboam heard what the man of God cried out against the altar at Bethel, here's what he did. He stretched out his hand from the altar and said, Seize him. Now, you have to understand this to get the meaning of what we're talking about. When the prophet was there, this king basically said this to the prophet, How dare you come to my altar in my country and tell me that God is going to do such and such and so and so. I'm the king. I'm the authority. 
I'm in total control. And to show you that I am, I'm going to seize you. So his hand went out as a sign of what? Man's authority. Do you have it? This king says, seize the prophets. I'm the king. How dare you say this about me? Well, let's read what happens. As he does this, the last part of verse 4 says, but the hand he stretched out toward the man shriveled up so he could not pull it back. So what happened? He does this. Here's his authority. Who are you trying to represent God? I'm in authority here. And he says, seize the man. And as they get ready to do that, he pulls his hand back and it does this. He can't bring it back. Now, how would you feel if you're the one in authority and your hand just froze? Would you think maybe the words you just said maybe weren't the right words? Would you think so? He felt horrible. He couldn't do anything. And what happened is this. When that hand became seized, he knew he was not in total authority. You see, his hand shriveled. And let me say this to you. The minute you begin to rebel against God and begin to operate by your own power, your life will shrivel. God will finally come to you and say, <clears throat> wake up. You are not God. I am. And there is only one, and I will be worshipped. So we see this happening, and we now know that the king knows somebody else is in authority. Look at verse 5. Double whammy. Also the altar was split apart, and its ashes poured out according to the sign given by the man of God, by the, here's the key, the word of the Lord. So as King Jeroboam stands there with his hand shriveled, totally shocked, the thing that the unnamed prophet says happens. Notice, the king saw God's authority, and the king now knows that God's word was true. God had power over a human. He had power over a stone altar. He had power over everything. Verse 6, Then the king, wisely, said to the man of God, Help! That's basically what that means. Help! Intercede! With the Lord, notice, who's God? He's supposed to be a king of Israel. Who's God? He isn't his God anymore. He became his what? His own God. So he says to this man of God, please pray for me that my hand may be restored. Now I want you to put yourself there as the prophet. You've come. You've seen idolatry. You've seen a king try to take you and kill you. And then the king says, hey, Help me out. I don't like my hand like this. Would you help me out? How many of you would be helpful? How many would say, yeah, over my dead body, I'm going to help you? Or how many of you might say, yeah, well, maybe in a few weeks. Let's just see how you feel going around like this. What happens? Look, so the man of God interceded with the Lord, and the king's hand was restored and became as it was before. What you see there, and you need to underline in your Bible, is the grace of God. King Jeroboam had a chance to submit to the Lord when he heard God's words spoken through a prophet. 
When he rejected the Lord's authority, he was afflicted with a physical deformity. Recognizing the God that had the power, Jeroboam submitted, and the Lord graciously restored him to health. God's authority is true, and his power can both chastise and restore. We heard about the danger of putting ourselves in a place of authority. Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series the next time you join us. For those of you that like to have CD archives of Bible teachings, we'd like to offer you a CD of Pastor Mark's message from today. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5. This is only to cover the materials and shipping it takes for you to receive your CD. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option. Now, here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is MB3152, and the title of today's message is Anyone in Charge? Again, the message number from today's broadcast is MB3152, and the title of today's message is Is Anyone in Charge? Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Lessons for Living, as we'll see how God gives many chances for those in rebellion to come to repentance. The world will tell us that we have all the authority or that we have none of it. Scripture testifies to the nurturing, loving umbrella that is living under the authority of the Word. If the Bible isn't the final authority in your life, you'll be challenged to consider why not. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the Gospel of Mark. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 